The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Okay, play ball. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the American League Baseball Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and with me today is Colin Wilson and Sean Zarillo. Colin, you ready to talk some Royals baseball? I couldn't be more excited. Everybody should know that spring training tickets for the Dodgers went on sale today, and the reason why that's important to me is because I'm flying out, and I wanted to see the Royals-Dodgers on Sunday night, March 14th, because it's my team versus the world champs. Tickets sold out at spring training in four minutes. And I think there's just a hunger for the sport. I mean, there's, there's some of us have not been to a game for in forever. All of us are ready for a return to normalcy in baseball. Colin Wilson, the only man in America that is excited for Royals baseball on March 14th and not Selection Sunday. Um, but yes, I, I shared your enthusiasm for the baseball season. Uh, maybe not that particular day, but you got to love it. Zerillo, you have some great content out already. You ready to be the villain and talk Astros love? Yeah, I'm ready to talk some conspiracy theories. I'm ready to get into the drone baseball, some secret humidors. Uh, I still feel guilty that I was at the last spring training game that I had fans before baseball became a fanless environment and was delayed by six months. Uh, pretty surreal experience to have been at, but let's get into some weird stuff. Yeah, let's let's start there. We'll start with just kind of the lay of the land. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. It should be a more, well, we hope, and we think it's going to be a more normal season, but there are still some leftover rule changes from last year. And we yelled about on the podcast, hey, we found, we did this, we yelled on Slack, we were on Twitter, we, we found out that there was humidors that we didn't know about. There's apparently five secret humidors where we don't know where they are yet. At least they told us about ball changes. Um, MLB doesn't really, uh, they're not known for sharing things and having full transparency. Do you want to catch everyone up on some of these rule changes and where we stand? In terms of the humidor situation, Colorado and Arizona were established before last year. We found out on August 10th last year in the 10th paragraph of a random article that they had installed humidors at City Field in New York, Fenway, Seattle, and Minnesota. And now there's five more humidors this year that we're told about, but we are not able to know where they are. So we are going to have to look at the data during the season, figure out why balls aren't is flying as far in a few parks. And that's not just going to be related to the humidors. MLB has also decided to change the baseball again this year. Uh, really good reporting by Stephanie Epstein over at Sports Illustrated. A bunch of other writers have covered it, but... Meredith Wills, who's an astrophysicist, team officials were actually sneaking balls out of stadiums to send them to her. Um, you know, MLB owns Rawlings, but refuses to give clubs any information with regards to the ball data. So Meredith was testing these baseballs and was able to determine that not only did MLB change the ball between the 2019 regular season and postseason, they used different batches of baseballs throughout the 2020 regular season, apparently getting ready to use a fully different baseball in 2021. And again, they also changed the baseball before the 2020 postseason. 
So essentially, we've had five different periods where we've had five different baseballs in play over the past two years. Um, the expected difference in the, the 2021 ball is about 5% of a loss in terms of home run output. It's like if you took five feet uh, and added it to every outfield in the major leagues, that's, that's what the expected difference should be. But we're not really sure. Um, the KBO changed their ball a few years ago, and re- I believe they reduced the weight by one gram, where the MLB ball is going to be two and a half grams lighter. And that difference in the KBO ball led to a 14% decrease in slugging percentage, a 40% decrease in home run rate. So, you know, we can, we can try to guess as well as we can what's going to happen, but ultimately the combination of the humidors, a different ball, players having more time in spring to prep, you know, relative to what they had last year, we, we don't really know what the difference could be. And because of that, I'm going to be very careful about betting totals, especially early in the season. Yeah. For those not familiar a humidor, what it does is it just, you know, instead of storing the balls in the dugout, if you store them in the humidor, there's a higher water content and the exit velocity uh, goes down a bit. Have you, what a sport. They just find out all the stuff after the fact. Have you also heard this just in They're They're now changing to aluminum bats also in one of the leagues. They haven't said which one yet. Um, this is crazy, but um, kidding, by the way, uh, Colin, how about uh, other rule changes as far as double headers, extra innings, and uh, you want to catch everyone up there? And uh, I'm curious to get, yeah. are, you a fa- are you a fan of both? Well, I think it's interesting how teams are going to roster themselves when you consider the fact that they're going to start putting a man on second base. Like, that's going to be a stable thing now. You're going to get a guy on second base to start every extra inning. Uh, I, I don't like the rule personally. And then the DH rule, I figured we'd get some resolution to this, and it seems like we're not going to have a universal DH. You know, here, and I'm an NL guy. I mean, I grew up being a National League guy, even though that I love – the Royals, I've always been a thing where I thought pitchers should bat. If you're going to bean somebody, I think you should get up to the plate and take one by the head. So apparently National League still sticking with pitchers are going to bat. And seven-inning doubleheaders are still in play. I don't know your guys' opinion about it, but for me, from a betting standpoint, it throws the numbers off. Uh, I have to start guessing which umpire from a total standpoint. Umpires play a big decision whether I hit overs and unders because some of them have small strike zones, some have large strike zones. And when you have these, you know, double headers that are seven innings long, I really can't tell you who the home plate umpire is going to be, you know, at least a day in advance or an hour in advance. So those are still things in play here for 2021. Yeah, the seven inning double headers, I mean, they list, I, I assume we're not going to have as many this year as we did last year. So eh, eh, whatever um, the extra innings rule as a better, I don't like it <clears throat> just because if I bet on the game, it's just, it's just, there's just so much, it just varies. It's like a lottery you're playing in extra innings from a game theory and strategic perspective. And just uh, hi, it's highly entertaining to watch in that aspect. I do love it. Uh, Zero curious to get your thoughts on those aspects. Yeah, you know what? As long as we know everything that's going to happen in advance of these games, I'm fine with it. If you guys recall last year on opening day, they decided to add a whole round to the playoffs. And everybody who had had World Series futures locked in had their value of those tickets cut in half just by a decision of baseball deciding that there should be an extra round and they wanted some extra TV money. Just keep in mind everything that we're going to be talking about here is relative to the old playoff format with two wildcard teams and division champions getting in. I'm not accounting for an extra wild card round, which basically takes any value away from, you know, the the top teams in the league because it forces them to play another series where they have a 65% chance of winning at best. So 
it's something that I would prefer to see that the DH stick around in the National League just because teams like the Reds and the Mets sort of set themselves up to be able to have that going forward. The one, just the one thing with the extra innings that it just feels so random to me. It's just who starts on second is completely random. Like I could, is it you know one of your fastest guys against the team you're betting against, and then you might just randomly have a guy who's not fast, and that makes a huge difference when you're starting on second. But I digress. We will let's get let's jump into the American League. Well, we're going to tackle the National League later in the week. We'll go through all the divisions and then we'll finish up with some futures, overall high-level thoughts. And Colin, I think, is going to provide some long-shot props. I know Zerillo will be writing about Cy Young and some of that stuff here shortly on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app. We also have a, uh, a new guest, which I'll we'll get to at the very end. Um, someone that we hired that I think is going to make all of our baseball content uh, just that much better. So let's jump into the AL East, which I think is one of the most interesting divisions for a number of reasons. But look, uh, last year in a shortened season, Tampa Bay won the division with ease by seven games uh, over the Yankees. And the Blue Jays also made the playoffs. And then you had Orioles and the Red Sox bringing up the rear. There's a lot of activity in the offseason for these teams. I think most of the the three potential contenders, if you think it's going to be between the Jays, the Rays, and the Yankees, is about pitching depth, right? Uh, The Rays let Snell and Morton go. Uh, Chris Archer's back in Tampa. You think they won that trade with the Pirates? Is Chris Dale going to come back? Eduardo Rodriguez is going to come back for the Red Sox. But, like, there's just so many questions about pitching. The Jays, it's Ryu, and is Pearson going to step up? And then then what? Lots of questions with the Yankees, who are they're potentially going to need to rely on, you know, Corey Kluber, Jamison Talion, who have barely pitched uh, over the last year or two. So lots of questions in the pitching department. Fascinating division. I'll throw it to you, Zerol, first. Just overall thoughts, some win totals that you like. Uh, let's talk some AL East here. Yeah, so I think this is clearly the best division in the American League. All four projection systems that I'll reference my own, but also Davenport, Fangraphs, and Pakoda have the average wins in this division over 81.9 per team. Four teams expected to come close to 500 or better than the Orioles, famously given a 0.0% chance of making the playoffs by Fangraphs, the only team. I respect what the Yankees did. They attacked guys who are low floor, high ceiling, you know, Kluber and Tyon um, kind of fits with their offensive side of the roster with Stanton and Sanchez being completely enigmatic. Um, and I, I show slight value on the Yankees to win the world series. Um, I have them projected at 17 and percent. That's plus 471. You know, if you get plus 700 or better, I might be interested in that. It's a little bit lower in the market. And even other divisional odds, I have them projected at 67%. Probably need closer to like minus 160 to bet that. It's it's up around minus 200, so no, no bet there. Um, but really, this division revolves around how you project the Rays. And I think the Rays are going to be an interesting case study into how baseball is played in the coming years. You know, we've seen step one with the opener. We've seen step two a little bit in the playoffs last year 
one time through the order per pitcher, getting three guys who can turn over the lineup once each. You can go through a game with three or four pitchers, but each of them are going two and a half innings. Well, the Rays signed Chris Archer, Colin McHugh, Michael Waka, and Rich Hill. I don't think they're going to be using those guys as complete starters. I expect the Rays and this, this new iteration of baseball that we're going to see a lot more two to four inning stints from pitchers. Get in, get out, turn over the lineup once, and that's it. Go to your dominant relievers. So it's it's really hard to project the Rays team because of that. Like you can't just project these guys as starting pitchers. They're not going to five and dive and then go bullpen. They're going to mix and match them, and it's going to be really hard to play them because they have all these change-ups and breaking balls that they can mix and match against certain styles of hitters, depending on where you are in the lineup. So yes, like most projection systems have, have the raise about five wins behind the Yankees, but I think that gap is significantly closer than what the math shows just because of how they're going to play it. They also have the number one farm system in baseball, number one prospect, Wander Franco, Vidal yep. Brujan, who is a really high hit tool. This team is going to become a little bit more offensive leaning in the future. And that future could be written this year. So not only do they have the arms that can kind of amalgamate what they got out of Blake Snell, but they can also improve their offensive side a little bit and become, become more of a formidable team on both sides of the ball. Thing to note with Toronto is that they're going to be playing their home games in Dunedin. It's Florida State League, very low offensive environment in that league. But the park factor for home runs in Dunedin was 44% above league average. So it's possible that we could see some high scoring games in Toronto's home games. As for win totals, you know, it's these these four teams, like I said, all projected to finish close to 500 or better, including the Red Sox, who I think they made some improvements, even though they're not willing to spend shipped off bet attendee. But the Orioles under 66 and a half wins, 65 and a half wins or better. I'm good with. I have them projected at 61.8. Other projection systems, 63, 63.1, 65.6. I think it's going to be really tough for the Orioles to take a step forward this year. I think they're still at least a year away from you know, potentially crawling back towards 500. So 66 and a half, you can get at the Westgate right now. Like I said, comfortable down to 65 and a half on the Orioles. Yeah. My, one of my favorite pictures or screen grabs of all time in, in baseball history is the Orioles finishing 60, what, one games out of first place uh, in the division two years ago. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, I agree with you on the, the on the race. And you have to always assume that whoever they're bringing in and whoever they're trading for, they're usually going to win that trade and you're going to see a bump uh, in production on some of the guys they bring in, especially pitchers. But I also have trouble projecting the Yankees because, I number one, I don't know what I'm going to get from Kluber. I don't know what I'm going to get from Tyon. I don't know. I mean, is Herman? what am I getting from him, Severino off of surgery? So after Garrett Cole, w- what are your thoughts on the division? Do you have high expectations for any of these guys? You have Montgomery, you assume, is going to have a spot. He's a lefty, and can he actually – go five, six innings and maintain some form of stamina. So tons of questions about that rotation. Do you have just any thoughts there? Yeah, Davey Garcia as well. Uh, really interesting army. Yep. I think he's only five foot seven, but that guy throws gas. So they, like I said, they have a, a lot of high upside talent on that team. But this is a year where with other strong teams in their division, like the Rays and the Jays, and if there's only going to be two wild cards, I certainly think one of the White Sox or Twins are going to be taking one of those spots. So The Yankees could miss the playoffs. I think this is the most vulnerable they've been in terms of missing the playoffs in quite some time. They need everybody to stay healthy and they need a couple of breakout performances. And they also need guys like Gio Urshla who have been consistent to keep being good. You know, Gio Urshla seemingly came out of nowhere. I mean, they they unlocked something with him, but these other performances that they've gotten from bit players, they need to continue in addition to having a few of their stars stay healthy and perform. 
Yeah, and they still have a lot of great arms in the bullpen. They'll need their bullpen to stay healthy and continue to be dominant. Um, they'll need Chapman to be great, Britain, et cetera. So, uh, Colin, let me throw it to you. AL East thoughts, any teams that jump out or you want to talk about? Yeah, I think you're going to hear a ton of negativity from me on four of these teams and a lot of positivity from me on one of these teams. So I'll start at the top with the Yankees. The New York Yankees? The New York Yankees! <laughs> Ruth Gehrig? DiMaggio, Mantle, Costanza. I'm back in business, baby. The Yankees haven't been to the World Series in 12 years. I had to look that up. Like, it's been that long since the greatest franchise in baseball has really been, a you know, the key. First decade in over 100 years that they didn't make a World Series. Yeah, what are these Zoomers, uh, whatever the generation there is, or they're calling after Generation Z, what are they going to think about these Yankees that haven't been to the World Series in forever? But, I mean, Kluber is a number two. I had issues with this guy's health a year ago. And my other problem that we talked about a year ago on this podcast was that I did not like the new Yankees pitching coach because he was more stat oriented than somebody that could help out with mechanics and health. And that plays a big part of my kind of fade of the Yankees. And let's talk about health on the offense. When's the last time that we've seen this in offense with judge and Stanton and everybody stay healthy. It just doesn't happen. And that, you know, if you look at Glaber Torres and the contract situation, there's a lot of one-year deals and the Yankees have got to make a lot of decisions here. And Glaber Torres is worth every single penny, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's projected to have home runs in the mid-30s. It's worth noting his strikeout rate went from 21% down to 17%. He's now making $4 million on a deal, while Judge is making like $10 million on a deal, and Stanton's making $29 million. So they're going to have to pay Glaber Torres, and he's worth every penny. And I think the real, like, if there's a prop on the team with the Yankees that I kind of like, it's, it's Luke Boyd, and I know everybody loved him for that home run last year and, and, and that chase, but what about RBIs here? Because I know Zips projects him at 509 plate appearances and 97 RBIs, but if the Yankees can't stay healthy on their offense, Voight's the guy that's going to be consistently swinging in the 3-4-5 hole and probably you know have enough protection with the other guys that are in the lineup. So I'm looking at Luke Voight futures. I know he's listed at 60-1 to Circa Sports in Colorado and Nevada for – home run. Um, you know, I'll move on to the race. They torment me as a guy that plays fantasy baseball because you have starting pitchers that only go three innings. Colin McHugh is the most perfect three inning pitcher in the world because the, the when the lineup would see him for the second time, when he was an Astro, they tore him apart. He was a fourth inning, fifth inning. He would just kill your bet. So the Rays are really in a funky space where they have a lot of guys with one year left on their deal. We're talking uh, Brandon Lowe, Kevin Kiermeyer, the contract for Chris Archer, Michael Walker, Rich Hill, and McHugh, they're all just one year. So I feel like 2022 could be that year where it's just a complete change in direction where they look to go a little bit of offense. It just, I'm not sure this is the same race. I know what they're trying to do and they're going to try to redefine baseball, but I feel like they're in transition because Wander Franco, who is the best prospect in baseball, hasn't been called up yet. He's been assigned number five at spring training from what I saw. So I think they're planning on him being their opening day, but sometimes, you know, the GMs and owners get a little funky and they want to hold the service time back. So we'll see. I just feel like it's a transition year for the Rays. And so they're kind of out there for me. Baltimore, listen, when Baltimore is playing the Toronto Blue Jays, taking over this year, whenever the weekend series is, I mean, we're talking bullpens and starting pitching for both of these teams. Take an over on these individual games when they play each other. There's going to be a ton of offense for the Orioles. I think there's a lot of fun guys to look at. Uh, Adley Rushman, will be, he'll be called up. He's the number two prospect in baseball at some point. Uh, Anthony Santander is projected to hit 29 home runs uh, 
So from a fantasy perspective, don't ignore the Orioles. They have some guys that can hit. I would just look at hitting a lot of overs during the season, and hopefully my Razorback, Heston Kirstad, who got drafted, comes up and starts the home run party with them. And I'm just going to skip the Red Sox because I don't know what's going on with J.D. Martinez and Raphael Beavers. The Red Sox are a mess like from top to bottom, but from a betting standpoint, the number keeps dropping on the win total, and I agree with it. But if it gets to 79.5 or 79, you got to start considering the over on this team because there's at least enough talent in places to get to 79 wins. So the love here for me is all on the Blue Jays. If you look at this park, this single A spring training park, it was the number one home run park and uh, for per park factors for single A. Uh, and you're going to give this offense, you're going to give Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, a shot to hit home runs out of this park. The, the Blue Jays are going to be in a ton of double digit ball games. Do they have the pitching to win this division? No, but they do have the prospects to go out at the trade deadline and contend. They made a huge jump last year. That 40 to one on the division I took last year, it, it had real legs and I expect them to continue to progress. You know, re, the, the pitching staff is, you know, Robbie Ray, that's just not going to get it done. Ryu, he's not going to get it done. Uh, Nate Pearson is their, is their first round draft pick from 2017. He still needs to develop to be the ace of the staff. Uh, but Kirby Yates, you know, I, I got to watch him in spring training. Sadly, he's listed at 20 to one in DK for most saves. I feel like he's got to return to form for that to have any value whatsoever. So keep your eyes on Kirby Yates during the spring. Uh, the bet here for me is Teoscar Hernandez in everything. He is listed as the number four hitter, projected number four hitter. And in a year, in 2020, where they're changing the ball, there's humidors, there's all this shit going on, the exit velocity dropped in the league 1%, 2% from every batter, right? Across the league, exit velocity was down. For Teoscar Hernandez, it went up 2%, and his hard hit percentage went up 5%. So I love Teoscar Hernandez and any prop you can find on him. Good stuff, Colin. Before we move on to the AL Central, Drill, I'm curious to get your thoughts, uh, if you have any, on, on the Red Sox. I mean, I guess the in an ideal world, you know, Sale and Rodriguez, you know, hit their ceilings. They did add some more depth. If anyone in the world is considering a Red Sox long shot, should they say just stop? And, uh, or could you see any upside with this team? I think because the, you know, like I mentioned, the three other teams in front of them in the division are really tough. That would be my hesitancy. If you stick this team in the AL Central, I think it's much closer to them potentially grabbing a wild card spot and making some noise. I did like the signing of Kike Hernandez. Kike is one of the most underrated defensive players in baseball. So I think that is a direction that they're looking to go is to find value on the defensive end. They're just, they're taking some cost cutting gambles that don't look great from an optics perspective of a team that should be a big market team, but in a vacuum of what they're trying to do, I think they're smart baseball moves. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a more competitive Red Sox team than the absolute abomination that they were last year. I'm still looking for a book to honor my under 94 and under 93 and a half wins. That's from last year. Cause I, I don't think I'll ever make a better bet in my life. I, I really don't know if I will ever make a better bet in my life than those two. CLV God mode. It's not great for a big market team to be making these moves, but they're not behaving like a big market team anymore. Yeah. I actually like the signing of Hunter Renfro. He's and he's isn't he significant? He's really underrated in the field too, right? Like he is a good defender deep. as well. Yes. Yep. They're shoring up the, the defense. The bullpen was the major issue for them last year. They couldn't get anybody out. I feel like every game that they played with the Orioles ended 12-10. So I think the bullpens outside of Tampa 
and potentially the Yankees could still be a disaster in the AL East. Okay, let's yeah, and Ren, Ren, Renfro is one of those guys where you think about him and you look at him and you're like, oh, he's probably not a great defender. Every time I have to check, I have to like go to Fangrass and be like, oh wait, he is. All right, I thought so. Um, all right, but let's move on to the AL Central. Last year, with three teams made the playoffs, Minnesota won. I mean, the division was a crazy, crazy right down to the wire. Minnesota ended with 36 wins. Cleveland, um, I'm sorry to bring this up, Zerillo, right? Uh, Cleveland and the White Sox had 35 wins. Um, you had the White Sox, right? And they melted down on like the final weekend or the final week. I believe they had a, a game lead with three to go, uh, and they, they got swept. Or Yeah, they, they were in the driver's seat with a few games left and uh, blew about 10 units worth of profit. Thankfully, the podcast consensus pick was the open A's to win the AL West, so we made everybody a bunch of money, but would have padded my profit for the end of the year a little bit more. Yeah, so this year, I think the, the AL Central is probably one of the, I don't know, the least exciting uh, divisions from an off-season perspective. I mean, you had the Indians who are basically payroll dumping. Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks. Roberto Perez is going to be there. What are they with? Thirty million payroll on opening day projected for it's a, something crazy. The Roy, the you know, the Tigers are in rebuild mode. The Royals. I'll let Colin talk to them, but they're still the Royals. It's basically basically a two-team race, I think, between the White Sox and the Twins. There's actually more manager news or exciting manager news than player news in the offseason. Um, I think that the main discussion here is like, how bad do you think some of these teams in the bottom of the division are going to be? And then who do you fancy more, the Twins or the White Sox? So Kyle, I'll, I'll start with you. You can start with your Royals. Uh, are you going to tell everyone here uh, to go out and buy a Royals World Series long shot? I hope not. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Royals and then the division in general? Well, what's funny is I think the discussion point here is going to be the team that's projected to be the bottom of the uh, of the division, which is the Detroit Tigers. There is a book out there that put out 70 and a half on their win total. And I know that this is a number that Zarello projects, you know, much lower. And the rest of the books, it's really interesting because once we kind of identified that we thought that the Tigers number was a little bit too high, uh, I saw Westgate jump from like 68 to you know, 66 to 68. I saw DK Tate go up a notch on their win total. And the fact is, is that betters like this Detroit, you know, this youth movement that they have going on and, and some of their pitching staff that they still have there. Detroit. But they don't have enough to get to, to, to qualify for this win total whatsoever. I mean, the, the talent that they have in-house is exciting, but this isn't the year. And the GM is really what made up my decision of Al Avila, who's, you know, Al Avila's dad, the catcher. Uh, he, he's flat out said, we're not spending any money on anybody this year because I don't want to have to worry about getting rid of players this year or next year. 2022 is the year that we will start spending money. We will start behaving like the Tigers again. They are strapped with a $30 million contract on Miguel Cabrera from now until the end of time. And they have a bunch of one-year contracts right now. And if any of those one-year contracts like Jonathan Scope or any of those others get hot whatsoever – they're going to get dealt at the deadline. This is a complete youth movement of the Tigers. Do I like the direction? Yes, because they remind me of the Royals two years ago. So that brings me up to the Royals, who I, you know, my team absolutely love, follow everything that they do. And last year, you know, Zerillo talked about the, you know, all of these teams not having any minor league play and some of these pitchers that didn't get any service time. 
that really kind of hurt the Royals too, except that they pushed their pitchers up to the major league level. They kept a lot of their prospect hitters down and they didn't get any playing time last year. So this is a real huge year for some of the offensive prospects that the Royals have that are unproven. And, 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 you know, I I think you're going to see a lot of jockeying at the, at the Omaha and at the Northwest Arkansas level with the Royals because their pitchers are ready. And they, you know, from, from Brady Singer uh, to Bubik to, uh, you know, Brad Keller, uh, you know, Danny Duffy's getting a little long in the tooth, but look at the one-year contracts that the Royals have signed. Carlos Santana's coming in to bat fourth for them. Um, Andrew Benatendi has been brought in from Boston. Uh, Michael Taylor, a guy that I've been drafting for years on the Nationals and Fantasy Leagues just because he was always a sleeper. Uh, you look at some of these, you know, Mike Miner's coming back now. We can talk about Mike Miner's uh, terrible ex-fip and how uh, he kind of got away with some stuff in a great pitcher's park. But, uh, you know, the Royals are at least assembling a team that can win some ball games. I mean, Greg Holland back as a closer and Josh Stallmont, who can throw 100 miles an hour as the eighth inning guy, the Royals are going to win some games. Are they going to win the division? Absolutely not. But they're not the Tigers. They're a year or two ahead of the Tigers. Yeah, you're right. This is a two-team division. It's going to be a dogfight to the end. I think they should only be separated by about two wins. I think Cleveland shipping off Lindor, they're going to take a step back here. Uh, for me, the exciting part of the division is at the bottom. Uh, I, I think the Royals, especially with Matheny coming in as the coach, what you've got to watch for is, is he going to let Alberto Mondesi run? Because that is the fastest guy in the league. And Matheny took some heat for the Cardinals not stealing bases when he was their coach. But look at the players on that squad. Nobody was faster than Yadier Molina, right? I mean, the, the, the Cardinals during his years had some real slow pokes, guys that don't swipe bags. So look to see if Alberto Mondesi is taking bases in spring training or if there's any whispers of we're going to be aggressive on the base paths because that at DraftKings is worth a bet. Well, can he get on base too is, is also a question. <laughs> but um, uh, Zarell, thoughts on the AL Central? Everything's up to date in Kansas City. They've gone about as far as they can go. Yeah, I don't have much to add on Collins Royals. I do think they're going to be really competitive. If they finish 500 or better, I'm not going to be surprised at all. They have they have been improving. They got those college starting pitchers that they drafted uh, all at the same time to the majors pretty quickly. I'm going to disagree with respect to Cleveland, who I refuse to call them by their nickname because I don't know why they haven't dropped it, even though they're planning on dropping it. This is the best organization of baseball at extracting value out of what they have. With all due respect to the Rays, Cleveland is better. Since 2013, when they hired Francona, they have the most wins in the American League. They've finished 500 or better every season. And they are a pitching factory. They lost Kluber, didn't bat an eye. Look at Savale, Tristan McKenzie, Zach Plesak, the bullpen with James Karinchak. I mean, they have some of the most electric arms in baseball at completely low cost. Shane Bieber should have won the American League MVP last year, not just the Cy Young. I don't know why he wasn't up for MVP consideration. Um, Now let's talk about the Lindor replacement. The buzziest prospect that I heard about last year, who we didn't get to see in official minor league action, shortstop Tyler Freeman. Great bat, average defensive shortstop. I don't think they're going to lose a ton of value there. Obviously, Lindor is an all-star caliber shortstop, but I really don't think the drop-off is going to be as severe as some people are expecting. Minnesota, I think there's slight value on them to win the division. I have them projected at 
plus 174. I think you can get them at plus 180, plus 190 in some places, but I, I wouldn't bet it below plus 200. The White Sox, obviously, we were on very early last year, locking in a World Series feature at 70 to 1. It looked completely dead at the start of the season because they looked super flat, and then they finished with the best run differential in the American League, tied with the Rays, barely missed out on winning their division. I think they went 2-8 and eight in their final 10 games. You know, if this team wins 100 games, I won't be surprised. They added Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks. But the personality clash with Tony La Russa as the manager is yeah. one of the most hilariously weird things I can remember in recent baseball memory. You have a team filled with a bunch of boisterous players, guys who like to flip the bat, like Tim Anderson. Is he going to have Luis Robert laying down bunts? I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out. So if this team wins 100 <laughs> games, I'm not going to bat an eye. If they have the best record in the AL, if they're the AL favorites by the time playoffs come around. But if you look at the projection market, I have them at 88.9 wins. Davenport has them at 84. Fangraphs at 88. And Pakoda has them at 82.5 wins. And when Pakoda is wow. at least four wins above or below a market total, and the White Sox are, they opened at 92 at the win. I believe they've come down to 91 and a half and lower at every market. When Pakoda is at least four wins away, that team tends to follow along with their projections. So there's, there's a nine win difference there in the projection. I wouldn't really bet it below 92 just because I do think this team could be so good, but I would expect that number to float up again as we get closer to opening day. Just in, in general, there's going to be value betting unders. You know, I'm, you're going to hear me talk a lot of, about a lot of unders, but books overinflate the win total market. They're going to list 2,460 wins when there can only be 2,430 in a season. You're going to have 30 extra wins flooding the market because they know that people like to bet overs. So the White Sox should, based on how the other teams in this division struggle to break over 92 wins, but I, like I said, I won't bat an eye if they do. White Sox, White Sox, go, go, White Sox. Let's go, 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 White Sox. We're with you all the way. You're always in there fighting and you do your best. We're glad to have you out here in the Middle West. We're gonna root, 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 root. Uh, the one bet that I have locked in is the Tigers under 68 and a half wins. You could bet that a full wing lower to 67 and a half. They played at a 64 win pace last year. They hired AJ Hinch, but this is still not an analytically inclined organization. Alavila is, is from the old, old era of baseball analysis. They're trying to get more resources to be more data inclined, but that doesn't happen overnight. You know, they're, they're still years behind other teams in terms of of analytics and how they're applying it on the field. Hinch will help bridge that gap, but it's not going to happen right away. So yes, there's a projection as high as 72.4 from Fangraphs on the Tigers. I still like them to go under. Like I said, I'd bet that down to 65 and a half. I think it's worth mentioning though, like bolstering the bullpens for the Twins and, and the White Sox was good. Like Alex Colome going to the Twins, I thought was a really good ad to help Taylor Rogers. Who knows who pitches eighth and ninth inning. Liam Hendricks, really good addition to Chicago. But I think that Tony La Russa relationship with some of these guys that we know have personalities like Carlos Rodon, what, what is going to happen when Eloy Jimenez, who probably has the worst defense of any outfielder that I've seen since I, it's worse than Lance Berkman. I can't think of a, a defender uh, that's been this bad. Even 40 year olds that have been in the outfield before. What is La Russa going to do when Eloy Jimenez is out there throwing himself on the ground while the ball is just rolling around in the morning track. And I hope that he doesn't bury rookies, guys that are exciting like Nick Madrigal. 
I would like to see Tony LaRusso work well with this roster. It's an exciting roster, interesting personalities, some good young talent. Boy, I don't know if this is a good fit whatsoever. Hopefully everybody likes to have a drink after the game. You know, Jose Abreu, people thought this guy was older than he came over listed as coming from Cuba. There's always questions about ages of people coming from countries where the birth certificate, you know, issue might not be as clear, but Abreu found a way to improve himself, unlock more of his power as he's aged and rightfully won an MVP. I know said Bieber should have been in that discussion, but this, this White Sox team is completely legit and, and Abreu is better than he ever has been. Yeah, the White Sox, I mean, you, their lineup is obviously awesome. I, I Now with, you know, the addition of Liam Hendricks, I like I like their bullpen. They have some promising arms there behind Hendricks as well. And then they add Lance Lynn to go along with Giolito and Keuchel. I think that, to you know, the difference between them going over their win total or below might come down to can someone step up in that four, five starter range. I mean, they've had, they have a lot of questions there that I can't wait to fade that gas can Dylan cease again, but you know, Ronaldo Lopez, they brought in Rodon back. Like can one of them step up? Um, and then that'll make the White Sox even more dangerous. Zarell, I'll ask you to close up on this division. I'll ask you one question. You know, I, I don't hate what you're saying about the Indians. Their bullpen still kind of, I mean, Marichek is, is, Karinchek is electric, but you know, some of their other bullpen pieces do scare me a bit, but Given their track record on pitching, they do have some pieces in the lineup. And then, look, if they're hanging around, are they going to go out and maybe sign a guy or two at the trade deadline if they're in it? I mean, their payroll is minuscule. I don't know. Is there any value or would you suggest potentially someone going out there and taking a shot, an upside shot on Cleveland? I mean, there's value on this roster. They, they said that they're not trading Jose Ramirez, so that's a positive sign. Ahmed Rosario still has upside that hasn't been unlocked. Whether it ever comes to fruition remains to be seen. Andrew Semenez was already a better player than Rosario when he was with the Bats. So I think they did a pretty decent job getting a good haul for, for Lindor. I love the Eddie Rosario signing. I, you know, I, I know the Twins have Alex Kirillov, who's ready to step right into that role. But I think Rosario is as reliable as they come in a corner spot. So... Yeah, I mean, there's there's upside on this team. It's just they don't really ever spend and they don't really ever add to their roster. They just kind of they fill holes and they play with what they have. But it, you know, if if I'm looking for an upside bet with with Cleveland, probably going to be a similar one to what I played last year, which is Framil Reyes to be the home run king at the end of the year. His power metrics are off the charts, and it really just comes down to whether he can get a full season of at bats in the DH role. But I really don't hate this Cleveland roster. The more I look at it. And they're going to be hard-pressed not to finish with another 500 record. Ah, uh, the Franimal. All right, let's move on to the final division in our American League betting preview, and that is the AL West. Last year, the Oakland A's ran away with the division. The Astros made the playoffs despite finishing under 500. Um, and Seattle actually finished in third place, 27-31. Then you have the Angels and, and the Rangers. I'll let you take it away. I know you have a lot of love for the Astros. I'll let you get there. The A's, I like this. You're you're close, and then they did they did nothing in the off season, uh, which shouldn't be that surprised with the A's. But I thought that they were going to do something. I mean, what what did they they traded Chris Davis for Andrews? Uh, they lost Hendricks, and I was disappointed that the A's didn't do much, which shouldn't be surprising. It's the A's. You know, the Angels. Maybe they're you're going to see you're going to find people that are going to hype the Angels because of Mike Trout and some of the potential in their offense. But who's, who's pitching for them? I mean, they went out and got Alex Cobb. That's, that's going to be the solution um, to their pitching problems. 
So there's a lot of questions uh, on some of these teams in the division. Zeril, I'll throw it to you first because I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me about the Astros. Yeah, I'll actually start with the A's, though, because this podcast was all over the A's, all about the A's love last year. We told you to skip the Astros. We gave out the A's at plus 350, plus 380, plus 400. It all cashed. Um, you know, that, that was an absolute coup, and it was almost never in doubt. They, they ran away with the division. They seemed to just have a, a magic hitting grand slams like every other night, sometimes two at a night. So that was an unbelievably fun journey, but it's over. We're done with it. <laughs> they signed Trevor yep. Rosenthal. They signed Mitch Moreland. They're starting to play around a little bit in the bottom of the free agent market. So I think if you're patient, if you want to fade this A's team, I'd wait. I think you might get a number closer to – you can already get 88.5. You might get 89. You might get 89.5 by opening day. Um, what's interesting with this team, the futures market, before the win totals came out, the A's were the division favorite, plus 120, plus 140-ish. The Astros behind them, plus 160, plus 170-ish. Then the win totals came out, and every win total had the A's winning more games, or sorry, had the Astros winning more games than the A's. And yet the books didn't move the divisional lines. Well, that's pretty odd. So I got divisional money down immediately on the Astros. You could still get plus 160 at DraftKings. Here's the kicker. I have them at 62% to win the division, minus 161. That's more than a 20% edge. I'm the low man on the Astros. Pakoda and Fangraphs have this team at 70% to win their division. That's a 30% edge on their divisional odds. I don't know if I've ever seen a divisional bet with more value. Um, their pitching is loaded. They have so much young pitching that is good. Jose Urquidy and Framber Valdez are two of the biggest starting pitcher sleepers for fantasy baseball this year. Valdez turned into an ace last year. They if were you want to know awesome. why... The Astros, who finished 29 and 31, still made it within a game of making the World Series. It was because of all their good young pitching and an evolution of Dusty Baker having a quick hook and willing to get guys in and out of the game. It was amazing to see. This isn't the guy who got Mark Pryor injured. This isn't the guy who ended Kerry Woods' career prematurely. He knows what he's doing. He's listening to the analytics staff that they have in place. So I... I'm all over the Astros this year. I have them projected at 89.1 wins. Again, rest of the projected market, 88, 88.4, 92.7 is the highest at Pakoda. Again, when Pakoda's over or under by four wins, that tends to be a good sign. You can get them at 86 and a half wins at Caesars and William Hill. I'd probably bet that, even though it's less than a two and a half win gap compared to my projection, but just hit their divisional odds. Smash those. Um, and then on top of it, their World Series odds. I have them projected at 1,700. Again, Fangraphs a little bit higher than me, 1,350 on their projection. Hit that down at 2,000. It's, it's plus 2,500 everywhere. Uh, I, I just think this Astros team is so much better than the market's giving it credit for. And I put this in my article, but it, it just like makes me fucking giddy to think about this because they don't have a true closer. Justin Verlander getting the last three outs of every game in the postseason. Just imagine that. Coming back from Tommy John surgery. I mean, that's electricity right there. So yep. that's that's a bonus. They need to get there first. But I don't think this division is particularly strong. I'm going to neg on the Angels real quick. I think the Angels are the most overrated team in baseball. Maybe I'll be wrong. You can get them under 85 wins at the win. Um, they played at a 69-win pace last year. Their defense finished with minus 24 defensive runs saved. Mike Trout, I believe, was minus 10 in center field. Upton is terrible. 
They added Dexter Fowler, who was minus two in right field last year in a short season. Simmons is gone. Simmons is gone, who they replaced with, with Jose Iglesias, who was minus in defense last year. This Angels organization has had – they're kind of like the Knicks. They keep finding guys who are like one or two years past their prime and signing them <laughs> and then getting like negative value, negative EV value on them for the twilight of their career. Uh, Kurt Suzuki's like 10 years passes, not Nick's. That's 10 years past his prime. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess he still pitch frames well. I don't really know. But, <laughs> y- y- you know, it's their bullpen's trash. Like, Otani's sitting 90 miles an hour throwing off of the mound in spring. He's not going to pitch. If he pitches, like, is it going to be more than 80 innings, 100 innings? Never mind the fact that, by the way, they have this shitty defensive outfield. They keep signing fly ball pitchers. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what they're doing. Um, Dylan Bundy, Jose Katana. Yeah. It's some of the most insane like team building I've ever seen. I I know they just changed general managers this off season and like, I'm willing to be completely wrong on this team. I I am. Um, The highest projection on them is Pakoda at 86.4. I think that's their ceiling. Like you're, you're buying their ceiling. If you're betting an under you're, you're betting their you're betting the under on their ceiling. It might creep over by a win or two, but this team isn't winning 90 games. The, The Rangers like, Maybe the Rangers sneak over their win total because the Angels are so bad and the A's like fell to achieve what they have in the past few years. But that's why I'm a little bit hesitant about betting the A's under just because the market seems to keep missing their projection. And on the other end, they seem to keep missing the Angels projection. They seem to be high in the Angels and low on the A's. And every year it seems like it's going the other direction. Yeah, it's like the Mike, it's the Mike Trout bump. I mean, this isn't this isn't basketball, right? Like he can only have so much of an impact that at the plate. Uh, yeah, the, the Angels are a mess. Did you, come before I get your thoughts, Real, did you learn anything last year about the Astros after the cheating scandal? Like, obviously, it's a small sample size of games in a shortened season, but we saw Bregman's numbers decline. We saw Altuve's numbers decline. Is it just randomness? Is there something there, there to it? Is that going to be a problem going forward? Any thoughts there? I'm going to make an analogy to another sport that I cover, which is UFC. The, the small sample that we got of the Astros offensive players not hitting right after there was the narrative that they would not hit because they were cheating is like telling me that a guy who has a bad chin, seeing him get knocked out in the first round and saying, yeah, well, it's because he has a bad chin. And then his next fight, he survives for five rounds. You know, it's, it's so you just don't confirmation know bias. It's complete confirmation yep. bias. And then, so you're going to, sure, they didn't hit in the regular season. So when Altuve and Correa absolutely went off and hit 400 in the playoffs together. Playoffs. Just to go back to the Central real quick, seven Central teams occupied 16 playoff spots last year. Those teams didn't advance. 0 for 7 in the first round. They went 2 and 14 in those games. So the Central divisions were absolute trash last year. And because of that, more of them got to the playoffs. I think you're going to see a redistribution of wins throughout this league. I think the central divisions combined are are on the lower rung of the six divisions. The Reds still haven't scored a run, by the way. Uh, that game is going to haunt me forever. Good stuff there, Colin. Thoughts on the AL West? Uh, I think the thing that scares me about the Angels is if they ever used analytics, they have the purse to buy whatever they want. And they've never figured out how to get the pitching in. They've never figured out, you know, the Dylan Bundy, signing we liked against teams that are you know fly ball teams and him pitching in a bigger park those were just times to bet him individually that didn't mean that we need to take a future out on the angels 
and, and so that's what scares me with them is if they just ever seem to figure it out analytically, they have the money to go out and get whoever they want. They've needed a starting pitcher for years, but for some reason they keep adding bats. So uh, that I've never wanted to fade the Angels because I'm afraid they're going to figure it out, but they never seem to. As far as the, the Astros go, I'm, I'm right in step with Zerillo on all of this because you know not only is their entire lineup at the major league level, top to bottom, one of the best, uh, they remind me of the Dodgers, which we'll get to next time, which is the reason why I have problems fading the Dodgers in their win total. It's astronomically high, but they're loaded in what they have as far as a second string and a third string in football terms. Like they just have so much depth to replace anybody at any level. It's like the guy I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where the double A team is for the, for the Dodgers. And it's loaded with pitching that could get called any day to go out to Chavez Ravine and throw something, you know, Ross, I think Stripling was here all the time. Right. So Walker Bueller was here for a long time. It's just the, the Dodgers are loaded from top to bottom. And even in their minor league system, so are the Astros. And if you look at these names like Luis Garcia, Brian Abreu, Forrest Whitley, they have pitchers that are just not available to come up and help out. Like if you're quitty or some of the other guys get injured, those are trade opportunities too, when they're making a run for the world series. So that's why I like Houston as well. I think one thing that we need to mention, I don't know which way we want to go with this. I think Sean covered it really well with Oakland. So I'll pivot off and say that there are prospects last year. If you guys follow my Twitter account, I had Kyle Lewis 50 to one to win rookie of the year, AL rookie of the year. Seattle reminds me a lot of Detroit. This is a team I think that we can buy in two years. Uh, to actually do some real damage. Uh, The Mariners finally have direction. They actually have a a decent GM that knows how to use analytics and work the farm. Uh, So Stucky and I, for years on Twitter, would put out a a Mariners uh, 40 to 1, 30 to 1, and and it would always blow up in our face one week into the season. (laughs) We're going to start revisiting that in about two years, but they do have a good farm system. Uh, Once Rookie of the Year odds come out, if I see this guy's name, we'll go ahead and put it out there. and then the Rangers. I think the Rangers are the worst team in baseball. I don't even think it's close. And for the roster that they have constructed in the ballpark, uh, the unders are the name of the game when, you, when it's time to go play the Rangers down at their house. So I think there's some really interesting splits when the roof was open versus when the roof was closed. I, I'm kind of interested to see how that plays into April, May, and June games since we started so late last season. Such a small sample. Uh, but I think – you know, if Sean wants to comment on, I think roster construction versus the new park that they have versus management versus what they have in the farm system, I think the Rangers are the worst team in baseball. Yeah, I'm having a tough time with the Rangers. Um, it's it's really – I feel like they're the team that has been what, what the Orioles and the Tigers have been getting a little bit too much respect in the projection market relative to the win totals the past few years where – the total comes out and every projection says to bet the over and you're like, there's, there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. Um, I mean, every I'm at 67.8 Pakoda is at 66.8. So we're, we're both in lockstep with their total, which is about 66 and a half, 67, but Davenport's all the way up at 79 wins. Fangrass is up at 72 and a half wins. Like I don't really know how to reconcile those projections. I think it's just one of those things where, you have to look at how teams are going to be motivated down the stretch and and what they're going to be doing in July through September. And we know that the Mariners are going to be coming on strong. We know that they're bringing up Jared Kelnick probably in April, and they're going to be trying to get more competitive right away. We know this because their president uh, went on the most insane off-the-cuff public interview of maybe all time today. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do. It's 
a beautiful insight into how most of these high-level executives in baseball think, but the things that they won't actually say. Um, but we, we, you know, I think a team like the Rangers, they're just going to be tanking and looking for that first pick by the end of the year. Joey Gallo hasn't been able to stay healthy. If he ever does, he's an MVP candidate because Stucky, this may shock you like it does with Hunter Renfro, but Joey Gallo is an above average defensive center fielder. I don't know how that's possible at his size. The guy's like 6'5", 235. And the fact that he can cover that much range in center field is just an absolute mystery. I guess like Bellinger does, but yeah, I really don't see much, much upside on this Rangers team. And frankly, their pitching is uh, not really much fun to play around with, even though we're going to be hitting some unders. One, one interesting thing to look at that I haven't spent time on because I'm just looking at it right now is the, do the Mariners have just nothing but lefty starters now? Um, so how does that project against – I got to know the Raiders couldn't hit lefties last year. I wonder how that projects against the rest of the division, or they're obviously going to face more often than that. But are, are they – do they have all, projected all lefty starters? Well, they have Chris Flexen, uh, free agent from KB. Oh, Flexen. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a righty for you. I don't know if they're going to a six-man rotation with Justin Dunn. He's a righty also. But, uh, yeah, so if, for those of you that didn't hear, uh, you know, Kelnick coming up, that could that's the guy that I think is the next big thing. So if you're going to nerd out and do win totals, you know, like Zerillo and I do sometimes, it's, you know, you got to look at Davenport with a, with a projection that they have on the Rangers He's ignoring numbers that happened in 2020. And if you look at War Pathag, like if you want to get that nerdy, they have the Rangers all the way down to 64 and a half. So, you know, it, it's all over the map with this Rangers team. And, and I think the one thing that we can bet on is that they're probably going to be one of the worst. Uh, you may not have to sweat an under ticket, but in individual games, uh, I think it's really worth noting that uh, there's not going to be a lot of offense in that park. I think the uh, the A's are a team that you're going to be betting a lot against the Mariners. The A's for the past two years have been extremely right-handed in their offense. Matt Olson is also one of the best lefty on lefty bats in baseball. So the A's going against that Mariners staff is is a pretty bad matchup for the Mariners almost every time, just because the amount of right-handed bats in that lineup. Also, Matt Chapman faced amongst the hardest pitching in baseball last year and still put up really good numbers. I, I couldn't be higher on Chapman uh, as a player. I mean, I've, I know I've said that in the past, but there's actually data that indicates he should have been even better last year than he was. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I could see that with the – I mean, the A's, that, betting the A's against lefties is like – it's been free money over the past couple of years. I think on the other side of that, we might get value on the Mariners against the Rangers at times. But let's let's wrap it up here before we bring in a, a new friend and a new employee for a new segment here. But I want to just wrap it up with your favorite bets, overall thoughts. We're going to have an NL episode later in the week, like I said. I haven't actually invested in anything yet. I will share any AL futures I had next episode. Right after we get done recording this, going to go bet the Astros. I think that just in that, that to win the division, I think that in the market, you have like a trout bump that overinflates the Angels. You have, I think people think the A's are a little better than they are after last year. Look, we love the A's, but they have a, how many miracle comebacks can you have in, in one season? And then I think that there's like an Astros hate factor, right? That people don't like the Astros. No one wants to bet the Astros that I think is maybe creating some of that value in the division. So I'm betting that one is really, you want to wrap up just your overall thoughts, favorite bets, anything you want to go? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that Astros divisional bet is tremendous value. Obviously with the world series bet, they're going to have to get by probably the Yankees 
and or White Sox and or Dodgers at some point or, or Padres. So that's, that's a tall task for any team. I, I think their path in division is so much easier. And frankly, you know, I, I can't remember ever seeing books unanimously put a team with more wins behind another team in the divisional market. It doesn't make any sense. You know, that, that Angels under 83 and a half, I said they had 85 at the win sportsbook is a ridiculous number. That's paying for their ceiling. Would hit that under all day. And then the teams that have been bad, the Tigers under 67 and a half wins, the Orioles under 66, 65 and a half wins. I don't think those teams are ready to take a step up yet. And I think you can fade them for another year. Do we have any data on the, uh, off the top of your head or, or know of how the extremes perform in the win total markets, like the highest and the lowest? The highest ones definitely do go under. The past five teams that have been higher than 100 in the market have all gone under. Eight of the past 10 have all gone under if they've been listed at more than 100. Obviously, the Dodgers team, which we'll talk about later in the week, might be an exception to that rule. But, you know, in terms of how I evaluate these, use multiple projections. Don't just use my projection. Don't just use fan graphs. Like if you compared every single win total projection to every win total over the past three years, you're going to hit it about 54%. If you average those projections together and use them the bet, you're going to hit closer to 60%. And that I've checked out. Have you bet any American League World Series futures? Just Houston, uh, just Houston down to, I like them the plus 2000, but you can get them at 2,500 across the board. Like I said, my projections closer to plus 1700 and fan graphs is even higher on them than I am. They're at plus 1350. Colin, we want to recap and uh, throw out some, you, you want to find us the next uh, Kyle Lewis winner <laughs> this year? When, when those odds get out, then, and if I make a bet, I guarantee you, you'll hear about it on Twitter. And hopefully we can have some success like we did last year with Kyle Lewis. The biggest bet that I like in the AL right now is the Astros to win the AL West at plus 160 right now at DraftKings. Uh, I did sprinkle a little bit on the Blue Jays to win the AL at 12 to 1. I wouldn't get it anywhere past 10 to 1. You need a lot of things to happen there. But it is a division where I think a lot of teams in the East are on their way spiraling down, while I think the Blue Jays are a team that's going up. As far as some individual bets that I've made, Teoscar Hernandez, 200 to one, that's at Westgate right now to win the home run title. Uh, he's, you know, projected by Zips so just to be a couple off from the leaders like Ronald Lacuna. Hernandez is going to be batting fourth in a lineup that's filled with offensive firepower. Uh, he's going to have plenty of protection. And like I mentioned, his exit velocity went up when the rest of the league went down. Uh, another one that I'm looking for, he is not listed on – DK's RBI odds, but I am looking for a Luke Voigt RBIs between his plate appearances, increasing injuries in the offense for the Yankees. Uh, I think Voigt is going to be one of the best hitters in that Yankees lineup, and that's going to equal a lot of runs. And I think Voigt is going to probably get over that. He's projected about 97 RBIs on just 500 plate appearances. If those plate appearances get over to like 620, he easily could have more RBIs, especially considering where he's going to bat in that lineup. Kirby Yates, I mentioned, he's the closer for the for the Blue Jays right now. He's listed at 20 to 1 to have most saves. I think we need to watch over the next four weeks in spring training how healthy is Kirby Yates because I think the Blue Jays are going to win a lot of games. That's going to be a lot of saves for Yates, but you need a better number than 20 to 1 uh, to see if he's back at 2019. And finally, the number that I love is Alberto Mondesi 
for stolen bases. The number is not that great. It's plus 100 at DK, but you know, at 46 projected stolen bases, that blows basically everybody else out of the water. You want a deep sleeper in other books, if they come out with stolen base odds, you need to look at a couple of Mets. Jonathan VR, Khalil Lee, those are guys that can steal over 35 bases. And if something happens to Mondesi and gets hurt, these are guys like I believe Jonathan VR is at 33 to 1 right now to win, to have most stolen bases. That is a little bit of value. Zips projects him at 39. Khalil Lee is the guy that got traded for Andrew Benatendi. He easily could steal over 35 bags, uh, but he's not on the betting board. So as far as stolen bases go, that's where I'm headed. Just wanted a quick a quick note on the rookie of the year market. This is the most loaded rookie class in a long time because a lot of players who got fairly significant playing time last year are still carrying over rookie status this season. Randy Rosarina is still a rookie. Yeah. James Karachak still a rookie. Tristan McKenzie still a rookie. I mean, Wander Franco is going to come up and justify rookie of the year status. Kelnick's going to come up and justify it immediately. This is going to be some of the most exciting rookie of the year races you've ever seen in baseball history. Come on, you're not going to throw on Teoscar Hernandez uh, to win MVP? I think he finished 11th in MVP voting last year. Listen, I'm, I know that the hate is coming out of this Teoscar Hernandez stuff. And let's, I don't hate it. I just, I just, let's I'm, not forget, I grew up hating the Blue Jays. That's who. That's how we got to the World Series and won in 85 and in 2015 by going through the Blue Jays. But I cannot ignore Teoscar Hernandez' exit velocity. Uh, his hard hit percentage, batting in the middle of that cannon of, a, of an offense. I love everything about the Blue Jays offense and Teoscar Hernandez. Maybe a super long shot. You look, Teoscar, I mean, the Blue Jays need pitching. Maybe yeah, Teoscar Hernandez, Hernandez, Cy Young. Maybe they use him as a pitcher, too. Who knows? There's going to um, be a lot of big games here. It's going to be 10 to 11 every game. <laughs> okay. Great stuff, guys. Um, before we sign off here, we have a – we recently hired someone that uh, I am extremely excited about in Colin Whitchurch. I mean, how many people can we have on uh, one baseball staff with two L's uh, in their name? Colin Wilson and Colin Whitchurch. I, I think my joke was that we have, you have four L's, two W's, five L's. I don't know. Four L's and two W's, whatever. It's a horrible joke by me. So he's a new editor. Colin came from Baseball Prospectus, really knows his stuff. I mean, our Slack – baseball channel is insane i used to have notifications on for every message i had to turn them off because my phone was just blowing up the entire day so now like every hour i go in and i catch up and just a brilliant baseball mind and since uh baseball fans in a lot of states this year can finally gamble legally this season uh here's colin Whitchurch and with his favorite bets for all of the al teams impacted that would be the yankees orioles and the aforementioned uh, White Sox and Tigers. Take it away, Colin. Now, let me caution you. This is only an exhibition. This is not a competition. As always, please, no wagering. Thanks, guys. As you know, more and more states are legalizing sports betting, which gives you more and more opportunities to bet on your favorite team win totals. Everyone loves win totals. We're going to start in Baltimore. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. I know Virginia just recently legalized sports betting and there's a lot of Orioles fans there. We're looking at Baltimore's total of 64 and a half wins and comparing it to the projections from our own Action Network's Sean Zarillo, as well as other public projections such as Pakoda, Fangraphs, Davenport. Baltimore Orioles, 64 and a half wins. I like the under. Everyone is under here for the Orioles, except for Pakoda. Our Sean Zarillo's under, Fangraphs is under, Davenport's under. 
The Orioles play, as you know, in one of the most competitive divisions in baseball, the American League East. The Yankees are the Yankees. The Blue Jays are ascending. The Rays just went to the World Series. It looks like another 100-loss season for Baltimore. I like the under here, and I would play that down to 63 and a half wins. I'll take any motherfucker's money if he's giving it away. Sports betting's been legal for some time now in New Jersey, which, as you know, is a big area for Yankees fans. They have the top win projection in the American League at 95 and a half wins. I think that's too low. I would bet the over on the Yankees win total, 95 and a half. Everyone from public-facing projections likes the over with the Yankees, 95 and a half wins, with the exception of our own Sean Zarrillo. So I'm going against Sean here. Sorry, Sean. I love you. But we're going over the 95 and a half wins on the Yankees. I would play that up to 96 and a half. I think they're going to dominate this division. The Rays are going to take a step back. The Blue Jays, as I mentioned, are ascending, but I don't think they're quite there yet. The Yankees are going to be approaching 100 wins again this season. I'll play the over 95 and a half wins. This is a dream. I am busting. Jerry, I'm busting. I can't believe it. Another state that's new to legal online sports betting in the American League is Michigan, where Tigers fans, they've had a tough couple of years, but it's a, it's a good opportunity for Tigers fans to get in on their team. And the Tigers bet is where I'm going most against all of the projection systems I've mentioned here. The Tigers total is 68 and a half wins. Pakoda's under there. Our own Sean Zarillo's under there. Davenport's under there. Fangrass is the only one that's going over, and I'm siding with Fangrass here. The Tigers are a young team. They're going to struggle a lot there. They have to go against the White Sox. They have to go against the Twins in that division, and they're going to struggle a lot early. But unlike a lot of rebuilding teams, toward the end of the season, they're going to be calling up a lot of their young players, players hungry to earn jobs for the future, to earn jobs for 2021. I like them as a slight over 68 and a half wins. I don't think I would play it above 68 and a half. So if you see the number at 69, 69 and a half, I wouldn't play it, but 68 and a half, I like the slide over. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. Final American League team, the White Sox in Chicago and Illinois, another state with legal online sports betting. Full disclosure here, White Sox fan, grew up rooting for the White Sox. I've written about the White Sox for a long time. That said, their win total is too high, 91 and a half. Every single projection system likes the under here, and I'm with the projection systems. The White Sox have a lot of helium right now after breaking an 11-year playoff drought last year. Everyone expects them to fend off the Twins for the American League Central title. 91 and a half wins is simply too high. The team has too many flaws around the back of their rotation, right field, the bullpen. They have they added Liam Hendricks. They added Lance Lynn. But there's too many questions for it to go 91 and a half. I would play the under here as much as it pains me to say the Twins are still the class of that division. The White Sox are a very impressive roster, but too many question marks for that number to be as high as 91 and a half. I would play the under there down to 88 and a half. We're gonna root, 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 root. White Sox, that cheer you want to victory. When we're in the stands, we'll make those rafters ring. All through the season, you will hear us sing. Let's go, 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 White Sox. Chicago's proud of you. Those are my four American League over-under picks. Congratulations again to Virginia, to New Jersey, to Michigan, to Illinois. You can legally bet on your sports teams. Go to the books. Throw down those numbers. Back to you guys. All right, good stuff. 
Thank you for that, Colin. Thanks to Colin Wilson and Sean Zarilla for joining me as well. We'll be back later in the week with our National League betting preview episode. Zarilla is going to tell me about his Mets, his first time he's had preseason Mets love. Uh, I'll talk about my Phillies. We can kind of go back and forth there, and we'll cover every division like we did today. So thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review. Really helps us out. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, you know the drill. We'll catch y'all later in the week. Cheers. So I'm a humidor's. <laughs> <laughs>